Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, um, Highlighting Immigrant Voices. Uh, today, our guest is Bokani, and she is another one of our CSB fellows. You heard from Pamela during our last episode, and today we'll hear from Bokani. So thank you, Bokani, for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you to Zamzam. Yeah, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and your background? Oh, yeah. So my name is Bokani Tegwini, and I am from Botswana, born and raised. Um, so I am a social worker. That's what I trained for, for my um, bachelor's degree. Um, and I practice social work in the NGO and um, government sectors. And I'm also doing community work on women and girls empowerment. So that's basically all of what I do. Awesome. That sounds like really amazing work. Thank you. Um, so before we get into like your actual work, what motivated you to discuss like or, or to focus on this type of work? Uh-huh. So uh, basically for social work, it's something that I just loved. I think from when I was young, I always knew I wanted to do something that um, I knew I would be dealing with people every day. So I didn't want to be like on the computer, like accounting. I mean, those are good professions and very helpful, <laughs> you know, very nice. So I knew I wanted to be working with people, um, dealing with um, real people's lives, social issues, like on the ground every day, the things that I saw affecting me um other people every day growing up I wanted to be able to find a way to help with that like dealing with people directly so that's why I chose to study um social work um and then also like my latest interest with like also doing community work with women and girls um is because um in my work as a social worker every day I interact with a lot of young people I interact with a, a lot of young girls and I have worked uh, most of my career in not like in the city but in rural areas and now I'm working in a very remote area and I see a lot of young people they are very uninspired um, and they have a lot of questions and they're not sure about a lot of things so it just seems like there's a gap between where they are and some of the people they see who have like done something with their lives, people they mm -hmm. admire, they don't see the avenue of how they can develop to be there. So I thought mentorship, you know, that's the gap that exists. If somebody could just like hold them by the hand and mm -hmm. show them how and inspire them maybe with their own story, it would help a lot. So that's why, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, that sounds really beautiful. I'm wondering if you could explain to those like what does social work actually look like in your community exactly so there's obviously levels of you know social work practice but um mm -hmm. uh, because um i only did like my bachelor's degree um in my country i practice as a general social worker that means i do um work directly with families and individual i provide you know counseling i provide general psychosocial support when i was in the ngo that's mostly what i did um so my roles were mostly my first role was in um alcohol and substance abuse um, rehabilitation, where we provided like restorative services, counseling, capacity building for families and individuals affected by alcohol and substance abuse. And then I also did um, a project on child rights, mm 
where we're basically educating the community on um, the Botswana Children's Act, like what it contains, what responsibilities it assigns to certain people, parents, social workers, the police, reporting procedures, and all of that. Um, so basically, I work with families and with the community. So we also do like community-based initiatives where we do like support groups for parents um, and just basically facilitate for there to be positive change for individuals, groups, and um, the community. So that's what I've been doing and doing case management as well. Um, social inquiry reports when children have been abused. Um, I write reports to the court um, for, you know, the court to be able to um, carry on the work as part as um as far as justice is concerned. Yeah, so that's what I do. Basically. Wow, it's a, it sounds that, like a lot, but that yeah. is a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really cool. I I think only maybe one portion of the work that you described can be like a job, right? Yeah. Um, case management is its own job. Like counseling is its own job. Like it's, exactly. it sounds like it's. So how do you manage? Oh my God. I think first of all, you have to have the love for the job because mm-hmm. um, I would be lying if I said it's easy. Um, it's very hard. I mean, it's general social work. So basically you're kind of like jack of all trades. So it's yeah. really hard because um it, I mean, when you're dealing with real, you know lives of people every day there's a lot of um emotional exhaustion that comes from that you know mental exhaustion because there's a lot of energy that is like heavy from all the issues that you're dealing with um so i think i it's because it's something that i really love so um i'm willing to like um deal with the challenges that come with it um and also i think i also just um been more intentional about taking time for self care um, and making sure that I don't get burnt out trying to help others because then I won't be able to help them as much. Yeah, absolutely. It's about like sustainability, like how long can you do this work versus like how much can you do? Exactly. So if you are able to do it a little bit a day, um, that should be able to be to, to be helpful as opposed to trying to do everything at once and then you can do it the next day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned doing like focusing on mentorship. Could you say a little bit more about that? Yes. Um. From um 2021, there was a program that was launched in my country. It's called Girls for Girls Botswana. Um. It was already launched. I mean, in other countries before. Actually, it started in 2017. Um by a group of um, postgraduate women who were studying at Harvard Kennedy School. So they realized that there was a gap, you know, worldwide with women and leadership representation. Mm-hmm. So they decided to start a program that could sort of like close that gap. So um, in Botswana, um, the chapter was opened in 2021. That was when we're still dealing with, you know, COVID issues and Absolutely. all of that. So. Yeah, I found out about it and I decided to join as a mentor because the way it works is that um, there's a curated mentorship program. It's six modules and it's all um, all things leadership, you know. So the mission of um, G4G, it's Girls for Girls Botswana, so we, we call it G4G. And so empower women and um, girls with the courage, the vision and the skills to be able to take up leadership positions. 
Um, so, and the approach is providing mentorship, making sure that these mentors who are paired up with um, mentees and they're able to, um, first of all, implement that curated six module program and also just um, be a part of a network where there's continued mentorship over time on, you know, focusing on different areas that the mentees may want to develop and also um, developing further personal relationships within the mentor. And also our mentees um, get to come back um, to be mentors when they have been mentored themselves and they've successfully graduated and they've learned a thing or two and they have something to share. Yeah. Yeah, peer support is really powerful. Like when you are able to connect with somebody that has gone through the same experience, but they're still in the same age range and there's a lot to connect with, it's it can be really powerful. Definitely. I can see how that connects to, you know, your goal of like, you know, addressing child marriages. Sorry. Yeah, I said, I can see how that leadership um, program is connected to your goals around, you know, addressing child marriages. Yeah, definitely. That also exists in our country. I mean, there's a lot of barriers when it comes to advancement of women. And we know that um, child marriages are a reality um, because of different things. I mean, there's, there's culture, cultural values and norms that encourage that. Um, it's it's not. I don't think it's it's reported a lot, like in my country, as much as maybe um, Pamela would um, have maybe big stories to tell about that from Uganda. But I know that definitely um, it exists, and teenage pregnancy, even outside of marriage, is a big issue in my country. And young mm-hmm. girls drop out of school because of teenage pregnancy a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, it's a bigger, like, systemic issue that is related to so many different things. True. Yeah, so I kind of want to narrow our conversation down a little bit and um, talk about, like, your experience with the fellowship. Uh, For those of, you know, who are listening who don't know, could you describe, like, what the fellowship is and how you got acquainted with it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Community Solution Program um, is a professional development program for um, emerging community leaders from across the world. So what happens is every every year there's application rounds and then people get to apply. So I found it ab- about it back in 2017 because back then I was actively looking for, you know, a professional development program. But when I read through the, you know, the eligibility criteria, I realized that, you know, maybe I was not quite ready. So then last year, that's when I decided to apply because I felt like I was more ready and I could make, you know, the most of it if I got it. So then I applied and I got in. So now what happens is we are paired with um, organizations that do work that is similar to what we're doing back home, which is why I'm at WISE, because they provide um, services to women and girls, even though back home I don't deal with um, immigrant families. But I believe the principles and concepts of working with um, women and girls, should I say underprivileged women and girls, you know, who have issues with access and all of that, they can always be transferred and modified to suit the home situation. So my experience so far, I realized that um, some of the programs that WISE is doing 
are very similar to the program that I'm working with back home, which is G4G, um, like that um, girls uh, getting ahead in leadership program. Um, there's a lot of similarities. So what I'm grateful for is uh, the opportunity to get to go with the coordinators to the actual sites, the schools where they work at, see how they interact with the kids, learn about some of the approaches they used, um, the statistics here, um, in the U.S., you know, what the school system even looks like, the public school system looks like, how they are supportive of these programs, and just how the whole process unfolds. And hopefully I can be able to take some of those and apply them, you know, back home. And also the exposure that I've been able to get attending different networking events through WISE. So that has been my experience so far, and I'm, I'm just grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. You've been, you know, super active and in the uh, GGAL and <clears throat> all it has to offer. I'm wondering, do you, what plans do you have for when your fellowship comes to an end? All right. So definitely when I go back home um, in the immediate, like in the short, short term, uh, because with the community solution program, you get to implement a community-based project um, within the first mm -hmm. six months of being back home. So I'm definitely going to be focusing on um, installing a new circle or cohort of girls for girls in the village where I now work at because it's a very remote area and I feel like they need um a G4G circle there to be able to um, give some inspiration, give some skills um, and hopefully help them feel like, you know, they are able to compete alongside the counterparts who live maybe in the urban areas, um, spark some dreams, just basically expand their horizons. So I'm focusing on building a G4G cohort in the rural area where I work. But also in the long term, I realized that generally um, for all youth, including boys, there's no um, resources and accessibility there. So I'm looking at um, leveraging, of course, on the network I'm building while I'm here, mobilizing resources to develop like a youth um, safer center where they can be um, digital access, they can be support with mentorship, guidance with basic things like how do you open an email, how do you write mm -hmm. a professional email, how what do you consider when you're choosing what you want to study, things mm -hmm. like that sexual reproductive health, just basic, basic things that um, in many cases we take for granted. They don't have everyday access to that information. So that's yeah. the long vision of it. Yeah, it sounds like really important, you know, life yeah. development skills that are necessary. Definitely. Could you speak a little bit more to like the, the struggles that face the communities that you work with? Mm-hmm. So um, when we're talking about the area where I'm working um, at specifically, um, which also like I think translates to the rest of the country, youth unemployment is very high mm -hmm. in my country. I think it's currently standing at about 37, 38 percent. So um, if you consider that my, in my country, like 70 percent of the population is under the age of 35. And oh, wow. uh, from yeah, from that, um, 70%, about 33% is between ages 10 and 24. So we're a pretty young, young population. So to have youth unemployment rate at about 37%, that's pretty high for a country with yeah. 2.3 million people. 
Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a big challenge. Um, and specifically for the community where I'm working with, um, poverty. People are living in poverty mm-hmm. because there is no employment opportunities. There is low, very low literacy levels. Um, a lot of the kids don't get to complete um, high school. So they because they're not that educated, they don't get a lot of opportunities for sustainable employment. They don't have skills for entrepreneurship. So um, poverty is very high. And just the fact that the area is also just very hard to reach um, because it's um, like accessibility roads to get there. Everything is just very hard to get there. Yeah. And then um, there's just uh, mental health issues. Mental health is a big one. I think also globally today, mental health is a big issue. Absolutely. Yeah, you get a lot of that. Um, and then also my my country, because we have depended um, for too long on our mineral resources, there is not um, economic diversification as we speak. We are trying to get there as a country, but um, definitely we need to diversify more and faster. Um, so those are some of the challenges. And definitely when you're talking about young girls, teenage pregnancy is a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I can see how like all of those issues are directly related to the work that you're doing. Yes. And, you know, it's like part of it is like, you know, maybe countering like a cycle um, or like a pattern. And part of it is like, you know, making up for just like the lack of opportunities that are in place and, and hoping that, you know, adding those resources for the, the youth can be a way to help them out of the the cycle that they find themselves in. Exactly. That trapped and they just need a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like really amazing work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding yeah. as well when you no, see absolutely. the little results, but it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you work with, you know, adolescents, like it really you can see the change happen so quickly and it's just like very fulfilling work. Like, and you get to build, you know, deep connections with them, especially. With them, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, it kind of gives us context to like what what you're actually dealing with and what, you know, issues that you have to address. Yes. I'm, Curious, like what are the biggest um, strengths and, you know, resilience factors that your, the communities you work with also have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm I'm very fortunate that um, I live in a country where basic education is still like pretty much free. So um, I feel like when I'm, I'm, I'm working to um, build that ability to dream bigger in the kids um there's not always like another challenge of okay now when we get there where are the finances to actually you know get us into school because with basic education is it's basically free and for those who cannot afford um the little cost sharing that the government has introduced there is like social safety nets the government is able to still intervene and help with that um of course for families that qualify um, so I think that's a big um, opportunity that we have as a, as a country that um, young people can get into school. They just need to have the drive. They need to have the motivation. They need to see how it's going to help them. And then they're good to go. Um, and also, like I said, the substantial government aid for those who can't 
can't afford. Um, and even with tertiary education, um, it's it's pretty much free. Like you, you when you're working, you can always pay back the loan. But mm-hmm. if you get your good grades, it's it's not hard to get into university because there's government scholarship mm-hmm. for that. Um, so I also feel like just the fact that we are the communities closely knit together. And we're yeah. a small country the co- in the community that I work, for example, I feel like everybody knows everybody. So it's a strength <laughs> that we have that if we had a problem that we needed to solve, it's easy to just like come together. And there's different structures like the Village Health Protection Committee, the Village Extension Committee. There's different committees that are working to address different issues. So if we all brought our expertise together and, you know, our will, we could solve a lot of problems. Yeah. So I feel like I can, I can definitely sense like your passion and commitment to, Mm -hmm. you know, the people that you work with. And that is a great example of like how, you know, the culture of connection over there is, 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 is created. Exactly. It's very important to have um, to build relationships because without relationship capital, it's hard to get anything done because you can't do mm-hmm. it in silo. If we, I'm working with the young girls, for example. I need to have a relationship with the school management, um, with the village leadership team, with the chief of my village, with the young people themselves, mm-hmm. get to know um, you know, what they would like to be assisted with. Because when you're also creating a program, you want to build it around what they will respond the most to you don't want to assume you know what kind of help they need yeah exactly that collaboration is important for commitment like they'll do something that they're excited about (laughs) versus creating something by yourself in a locked office and then like Mm -hmm. trying to have it implemented on them it's not yeah and have the same response true yeah and also, like, you know, like you said, a majority of, you know, the country are youth and mm-hmm. they yeah. will grow up to be the adults in society. So it's technically like the future of the country. Right. And exactly. so it's like really important. Mm-hmm. It's like building a like succession plan of some sort, like mm-hmm. when adults mm-hmm. of today move out of the positions of leadership that they're holding, the youth should be ready. So the way I think about it even is youth should be viewed as leaders today, like we're moving mm-hmm. away from saying, oh, youth mm-hmm. are leaders of tomorrow because they need to be doing it I today. Like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they need to be doing it already so that... um they're not just finding themselves in positions that they're not ready for when tomorrow comes. So let them leave today. And it's so interesting because I feel like in most societies, like adolescents, they don't have a lot of choice. They don't have a lot of autonomy. They're told what to do. And then like the second they hit adulthood, they're kind of expected to know it all and to like figure things out on their own without but like maybe two years ago, like they were asking permission to go to the bathroom when they were in the classroom, right? <laughs> so that sort of transition feels a little choppy. It's 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 very hard because um, and that's why also programs need to be um integrative in a way, which is also why I love what what um Weiss is doing with um programming for the girls, but also having a component where the 
dealing with the families because mm-hmm. um you know at the end of the day when kids leave school when they are done with that interaction with the g the g girl program and they're going back home and they're going back to their parents who there's a different culture there's a different everything yeah. so there needs to be a way that the parents are also like encouraged to understand what it is to be an adolescent what responsibility means and how it changes as they grow and how they need to be helping their young girls to be prepared to be adults you know they don't just become children until they're 18 and then when they're 18 plus one day they're expecting (laughs) exactly one minute later they're like well you're an adult now good luck with life yeah and they have no idea what that means Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it sounds like it's also you know tailoring the work that you do to the culture and the the family system and how it's designed um so that you're not you know you're not changing how a family operates but you're highlighting the strengths mm-hmm. and providing education on where they can improve exactly so because if it's not culture sensitive um mm-hmm. uh, whatever program you're bringing to the community will most likely be rejected because mm-hmm. it will be seen as an attack to the way of life and the cultural norms exactly. instead of as, yeah instead of um it being supportive to make it to make everything better to make the culture work for the community and for the young girls instead of against them Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know there's not one way to live right there's many different ways there's many different understandings of how we exist as people and um like it wouldn't make sense to try to fit everybody into one box because we are diverse i'm pretty sure the people like the community that you work with alone are super diverse right and let alone the rest of society yeah that is true i mean in botswana alone we have eight major tribes and then we have minor Mm -hmm. tribes and then within one village you have people speaking different languages yeah raised in different families um it's 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 diversity everywhere so you also have Mm -hmm. to be um conscious of that when you're designing Mm -hmm. programs and when you're dealing with people because you can't you know put a blanket across and say okay this Mm -hmm. is what works for us as a community also have to be conscious of the individual differences and try to accommodate them Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's an issue that we have had working in the U.S. with immigrant families of just people kind of assuming um because you live in the U.S., like the culture that you need to adapt has to be Western. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not Western, then there's something wrong. Um, I mean, luckily, there's more education now and people are leaning towards more like culturally appropriate um, parenting programs or after school programs. But it's still some an issue that that is being addressed. And Luckily, with WISE, everybody at WISE is either an immigrant or a child of immigrants. And we work with immigrant women and girls. And so um, automatically, like, our programs are tailored to be culturally sensitive and aware. And just having that lived experience ourselves of what it's like to be an immigrant in this country mm-hmm. is an advantage that um, we could learn to utilize and um, share with others on how how we work with immigrant families. 
Yeah, I think it's 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 really great work that Wise is doing here. I always say it every day, like to my <laughs> my my um other the other fellow Pamela, and I say to everybody, like, oh my God, Wise is doing such great work um serving immigrant girls and young women because I feel like identity is is a big issue, like everywhere. Absolutely. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, people always ask you, where do you come from? You know, it's always mm-hmm. about your roots and um not having to feel like you have to give it up to fit yeah. into or to qualify in into a certain image mm-hmm. or to a certain other culture or for certain services you can just come as yourself um with your culture and still exist you know mm-hmm. in, in the global space so i think people should be able to feel comfortable um with who they are mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, thank you for highlighting the importance of culturally appropriate, um, you know, methods and talking about the importance of our adolescents and how they are um, the future of our societies. Mm-hmm. I would love if love it if you would be able to send like share a message or a summary of your work in your native language to help us end our discussion today. Oh, hi, thank you. I'm happy to do that. Um, Dumela Matano Kohai, Kibidua Bakani, um, Monaconya Humpieno, Kimo, US, more America, more Minnesota, Kiberaka Lele Kalanelli, Biduang Wise, Sebasi Dirang, Kihor Babaraka Le, um, Banababa Sitsanyana, Bailo Horbamo de Colong, Bailo Hore, How Libella Cobatuanti, Habatolimo America, Banavatokoma Hatsing Asili, Ili di immigrant, Homotokoma Hatsing a Harlohan in Batabanaha, Kanabata di Baboni Banabatokoma Hatsing Asili, Yan Baba Tusa Hore, Banili di Skill, Sailing Hore, Badi Toka, Ilibanabasayana Bahola, Horbahono who is Hormovit Silong, Bagadi Rajang. Um, Baba Tusakadu, Zedi Harlohan, Zediaman, and Letsa Tuto, Houses of Attawa Cotesha Ring, um, Diskilis Odi Tokang, Hobua, Huibuela, Lamo with Silong, um, Zatute Hojalo Jal, Yanon Kihoneha, the Codice Four, Ki Tutalebone, Hikets or Hiketaviki, Boyla Bohai, and Tikisola or Rome, Tikitaviki to Tilehone, Ketats, Amakas, or Nokohai, Kapovera, Kalebaki, Vera, and Lebon, or Retabulole, Mananeo Arona, Dalebuch. Beautiful. Thank you again, Vakani, and thank you to our listeners. And stay tuned for our next episode. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Beautiful. Uh, Thank you.